You're listening to Cast, Season 5, Episode 21, Two Minutes to Midnight. Sam, Bobby, and Castiel attempt to rescue civilians from an impending Croatoan outbreak, while Dean and Crowley track down Death, the horseman, hoping to get his ring. Cast. I am one of your newbies, Paul Mackey, in my living room in Duluth, Minnesota, with my lovely wife, Darcy. Hazel says hi. Hazel says hi. Do you? Sure. Okay. <laughs> and we're also joined down in Texas by our two experts. We've got Annie. Hello. And you heard John Pavlich up at the top. Steamed green beans are good. Yay. <laughs> and our other <laughs> newbie, Yvette. Hey, y'all. And we're also joined... Uh, fresh with new technology by Carol. Yay! Hey there. Hey. <laughs> How's it going, Carol? Oh, it's going great. How's it with you? Uh, it's going very well here. Um, how is how's your uh, other podcasts uh, moving along? Oh, uh, Hoopalcast. We're in the uh, the second phase where we're doing the. Um, uh, first episode, or uh, usually first couple episodes of each of the HBO dramas in order, will be um, will be recording sometime in April for the next bit. And offhand, I don't remember what they are. But if you go to Hoopalcast, um, it's listed. You guys just did Oz recently, right? Yes. Okay. We did Oz, and we did. Um, Tales from the Crypt, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to be, you know, th- that was kind of the watershed, it seems like, you know, where sure. things start getting good, because the first couple, well, they were, Shaky. you know, a little, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I was not enjoying those too much, I, I knew there was good stuff to come, so it was no big deal, and, you know, it's, it's educational to see some of the old programs and and how HBO got started on uh, their own programming. But I'm, I'm glad they're over, and I'm glad I didn't have to watch the whole series of each of them. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm looking forward to some of the ones that are coming up. I, I've seen very, very few of the HBO series. So it's they really are new to me. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, um, shall we uh, get started on this episode? Uh, we've, uh, of course, uh, full disclosure, just watched the episode and uh, we're doing our, uh, we did the Nubentary just, just uh, a few moments ago. So we're doing two in the night and it's not getting any earlier. Let's <laughs> roll. All right, let's go. I've got a summary from SupernaturalWiki.com because I wasn't able to prepare one ahead of time, etc., etc. So here we go. Dean finds out about Sam's proposal to give Lucifer permission to use him as a vessel. In the midst of their disputes, Dean receives a call from Castiel. We missed it. We skipped out that whole cold open, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, the cold open had Pestilence posing as a doctor and uh, infecting someone instead of curing them. Basically, that's the summary. And infecting them with multiple diseases. Yeah. Using them as a Petri dish. Yes, that's, I believe, something that he said, Yes. Yes. So uh, anyway, uh, in their conversation, Castiel reveals that uh, following his actions in California, he's effectively become mortal. He apologizes for doubting Dean and assuming that he was going to give in to Michael. Dean and Sam travel to Serenity Valley Convalescent Home in Davenport, Iowa. And yes, we did notice... If you didn't hear the Nubentary, that that is Serenity Valley. Someone's a Firefly fan. Yeah. You know what? It was probably Ben Edlund's idea. He was a writer on Firefly. There you go. Although Eric Kripke, I think, is a big Joss fan. So. Oh, sure. And, and he was the writer on this. And 
Sarah Gamble as well. Right. Or at least they, he's, they're crediting him. I don't know if it's, he was. I'll have to look that up more. Sure. Yeah. So they're in search of pestilence. Dr. Green returns to Serenity Valley, claiming his activities were quite productive to Celeste. Oh, they kind of they kind of folded that uh, flashback into here. <laughs> they, they they folded it in here. She asks if she'll if, if, if he'll cure her, and Doctor Green openly admits he's not going to cure the condition. Instead, he inflicts multiple diseases on her, and she dies, coughing up green slime. Dean and Sam continue traveling through the facility, searching for pestilence. As they pass a room, a demonic nurse senses their presence and reports to pestilence. In their discussion, Pestilence activates his ring, inflicting pain and sickness on doctors, nurses, and patients alike. And as they get closer to the horsemen, they too, Sam and Dean too, become sick. And their sickness greatly escalates as they get closer to Pestilence. Oh, uh, we, we did sort of also skip out the part where uh, they, uh, when they were talking to Cass about uh, his, uh, his mortality that uh, he was, or that his humanity, that he needed a way to get to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Money from Bobby. A plane, or possibly a bus, if that's how cheap Bobby is. <laughs> well, he needed a plane to get from St. Croix. Oh, okay. That, that could be. He probably took a yeah. plane and, and a bus. Yeah, plane and then a bus. Planes, trains, and buses. <laughs> um, so, where was I left off? <laughs> Oh, they, uh, um, they they quickly awaken. Or they, once they reach Pestilence, they faint and are dragged in by the demon assistant. They quickly awaken, and Pestilence converses with them, which is a fairly long scene to sum up in a word in a sentence like that. But that's what we get. <laughs> dragged in by Becky with the good hair. <laughs> I thought uh, Pestilence. I thought it was interesting Pestilence's take on it. He, uh, one of the things I was noticing was that uh, he seems to have kind of lucifer's feelings about um humanity that right. uh that same annoyance that god shows humanity etc and we can go uh some other time discussing that god created all those viruses and uh illnesses as well if he created everything that's for another time i suppose one could make the argument the horseman, oh, sorry, uh, he's about to kill them when Castiel appears, claiming he was transported there by a bus. The horseman verbally acknowledges that Castiel isn't a full angel anymore. In desperation to defeat the horseman, Castiel cuts off Pestilence's ring finger, separating him from his ring, effectively disabling his essential capabilities. The demon assistant charges at Castiel and is killed with Ruby's knife, and Pestilence warns, that Pestilence warns them it's too late and vanishes. So they go back to Bobby's house with the ring. Pardon me. One ring. No, this is just just the pestilence ring this time. But they've got they've got a bunch of them, right? A clutch of rings. Is death the only one they're missing at this point? That would yes. be yep. true. Yes. Yep. Bobby reveals that Chicago is going to be blown off the map by death. They question how he got that information, and that forces Crowley to appear. I have a question. Whose job is it to clean the blood off? I think I just give, kind of give, wipe it off on, on on the demon assistant's dead shirt and call it good. Okay. Yeah. Went it under a faucet, maybe. Yeah. Details, details. Yeah, I don't think they're real um, picky about that kind of stuff at this point. Mm. They clean a lot of blood off themselves and everything around them. Bobby reveals that he sold his soul for death's location. Uh, Crowley insists it's more of a rental and an insurance policy. So, do we have any idea why Crowley gave Bobby, like, the ability to walk back? Like, what's... It sounded like it was just just because he was decided he was a nice guy. He said, Um, because he kind of said at some point that, you know, Bobby didn't think very hard when he made his request and that that he tossed it on as as an add-on for the the whole soul transaction. Does that really track with what we know about Crowley, though? No, Crowley always has a reason for doing stuff that involves right, exactly. Betterman or Crowley. But Crow- I, I mean, he could have. Go on. Yeah, I was going to say Crowley needs as many guys on on his team to if he if he wants this whole thing to go down in his direction, he needs as many players as he can have. And if Bobby is just going to sit and man the phones, that's one less player. 
Yeah, I don't I know. I guess the, the best reason I've ever come up with. Because, I mean, I, I've seen, you know, many seasons of this show, several of them over and over, and I still don't have a real answer for this question. Like, why did he give him his legs back? I mean, yeah. they wouldn't have been... He would have been, like, no help at all in uh, trying to get the the Croatoan virus. Um, and Sam very likely would have ended up getting killed in the whole thing, and that would have meant made it a big mess i think it just you know it was just expedient to get uh, bobby back in the game that's a really that's a really good reason i've always just kind of thought that you know crowley i mean he's a he's a demon obviously and he can't be trusted and he's always got a motivation but i think there's a part of him that um has a certain sense of like fairness and propriety like this is a deal. So I have to be, I, I don't know. He, but like there, there's a part of him that really like a deal has to be something for something. It's like and, an honor amongst thieves thing where he yeah, like, has like a bit, he has like a bit of a personal that, code. Yeah. Like yeah, you really but, need to get something personal out of this. But if there hadn't been a reason for him to give Bobby back his legs and if Bobby hadn't negotiated it, um, I, I don't think he would have bothered. But I think he, there was a reason for him to get his legs back. I'm guessing Crowley would have appreciated it if Bobby had realized that he could get it as part of it and had made it part of the negotiation. And he'd yeah. been able to haggle with him. He would have liked it a lot more. But the fact that he didn't, it was like, oh, you know, I really need you to have your legs. So, so here, here they are. Right. <laughs> you can't yeah, enjoy that, Pure. We're not going to have it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. Uh, you didn't even give me a fight. <laughs> How disappointing. Uh, so, uh, Dean and Sam are furious, of course, at Bobby about this, but they turn the matter back to the, uh, Bobby and Crowley turn the matter back to the matter at hand, which is the swine flu and Chicago. Uh, and, uh, kind of skims over it, but, uh, but yeah, Crowley points out to the guys that, uh, there's the swine flu outbreak, and there is a vaccine that's being distributed everywhere by Nivius Pharmaceuticals. And uh, surprisingly enough, Crowley has to spell the whole thing out, uh, which is which was surprising to me because I I was way ahead of him. <laughs> I would have figured that one of the guys would have figured that out, but I think that Nivius sounds a lot like Novartis. Just saying. Yeah, probably. Did, did they know where he worked? Uh, well, uh, Dean, yeah, last Dean, episode we saw him. Yeah, Dean. Dean, Dean, did. Dean was there. I think they just have a lot more oh, on right. their minds. I yeah. think they just have a lot on their minds right now. Putting together industries and this and that when they're thinking about Lucifer and mm-hmm. whether Sam should say yes and where death is and and Bobby having sold his soul and yeah. Oh, I like this uh I like this sentence a lot because they're using words that are they're unnecessarily Detailed. In Chicago, Illinois, Death exits his automobile and ambulates on the sidewalk, killing a man who rudely <laughs> brushed past him. <laughs> Somebody got their thesaurus out. So that was a cool scene. It deserved a bunch of fancy words. That's right. That's that's true. That scene and well, Death in general is why I signed up for this episode. Because if you recall, and I'm sure you won't, um, back at the beginning of the season, I was with you on the episode that I believe it introduced the horseman. Okay. And you all said, oh, I wonder whether they're going to have death. Yeah. What What is death going to be like? I don't know. And I was just sitting here like... Oh, he's so good. Yep. <laughs> I love Death's entrance. Okay, so, so I, yeah. <laughs> this, this, this is what Annie and I and have his... to go through almost every every time we record. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but for that particular one it was like, okay, signing up for and I literally just went and saw whether this episode was was open and said, Yeah, that's the one I'm gonna go for. <laughs> I just I just wanted to talk about death. <laughs> yes. Well the now, yeah, death is doesn't come out right. Yeah, Death is played by Julian Richings, uh, which I saw his name in the uh, in the opening, uh, you know, the credits at the beginning. And I was like, that's ringing a bell, but I'm not sure why. 
And then when I saw him, I realized that he, he was in uh, Slings and Arrows, which is the uh, show that Darcy and I previously did a podcast about, the Ghostlight Podcast, uh, which is a Canadian series about um, a theater company and a bunch of other things. But uh, there was uh, he, he was one of a, a pair of uh, funeral home workers. So they owned it, uh, the Mortimer Brothers. He was Reg Mortimer, and uh, they just uh, they they kind of filled in somewhat a role the role of the the grave diggers in Hamlet. The whole first season of mm-hmm. uh, Slings and Arrows is kind of based around Hamlet, and uh, so uh, yeah, they're they're there to discuss mortality and things like that. So, uh, uh, so yeah, we we we've definitely seen him before. First crossover with Slings and Arrows that I've noticed, but uh, being a Canadian series, you got to think there's going to be some. Uh, Canadians? Some Canadians. Well, he's been in a whole lot of stuff. I um, I had looked him up because he had looked familiar to me, but I couldn't quite place where I knew him from. And most of the stuff he's been in, I, I have not seen, but there were a couple different series. And I did notice Slings and Arrows in there, which I ha- still haven't seen. And uh, I so want to see that show. Um, it's it's hard it's hard to it's hard to catch. There's uh, one streaming service that's that's uh, Acorn Media has their own streaming service, and you can get like Doc Doc Martin and Slings and Arrows and a couple other shows on, and that's about it. And then otherwise, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere anymore. It was streaming on Netflix for the first I think two episodes of our of our entire podcast, and then it then it got pulled from there. So oh, because I had been looking when you guys started that one, I was looking for it. And at, I think when you first mentioned it, it wasn't streaming on Netflix or, or Amazon. It might have it, it, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, it might have actually gotten pulled from Netflix, like right as we were starting. Right as we were starting, yeah. yeah. We like did a couple yeah. episodes, and then it was like, hey, guess what? They pulled. We're like, yeah. oh, great. Nobody's going to listen to our podcast because yeah. they can't watch the show. Because it's, I mean, the premise is sounds like it's right up my my alley, but. Um, yeah, so I had looked for him and he, uh, he's been in a whole lot of stuff. I would think that, you know, anybody who watches Canadian TV would just know this guy from, um, from everything, but I don't know. He, I think he does a beautiful job on, on this. My son loves him too. Well, I suspect that, uh, you know, I, I, he made a deal with Dean. He might uh, pop back up by the sound of things. He might. He might. He, I liked him. Like, I liked that he wasn't, like, a cartoon supervillain like the other horsemen. Like, he was, like, super, like, down to earth and, like, not being all excited to... Like, Pestilence was, like, such a cartoon character, you know? That actor has a tendency to be a little cartoony. Matt Frewer, yeah. 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 A lot of times. I mean, I know Orphan Black, he's, you know on um i always think of him on eureka and he was kind of cartoony on eureka oh, definitely cartoony oh yeah eureka. pretty cartoony on orphan black too like it's maybe his least cartoony that i've ever seen him and he's still yeah. a little cartoony yeah yeah he is i i'm not a big fan it's, of pestilence it's um, funny because he he does do a lot of uh, cartoon voice work does he yep that makes sense i mean he mm-hmm. You know, he, you just, you just made me think of, um, who killed Roger Rabbit and he, he, I could see him doing like the, um, the villain role in that. Um, he, he, he does actually, uh, very much look like, um, yeah. the way Christopher Lloyd did in that movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 I kind of ended up superimposing him on the, on the thing <laughs> right there. But uh, yeah, he he. I'm not a big pestilence fan. Um, of the of all the horsemen, I. That's one of the things I don't like about this episode is just pestilence. But he gets that whole out section of it. of it is pretty ridiculous. Like those yeah. people like snotting out like lime green. <laughs> well, I mean, he can make you know any kind of combination of horrible things that he wants and. The human body can create some pretty awful stuff. Oh, apparently, yes, it can. I have seen some scary things. <laughs> but apparently, yeah. once apparently once his ring is gone, some of those they're just cured. Yeah, apparently, if I guess if they're not already dead, oh, he loses the ability to. 
I don't know. I mean, no, no. So the, I I'm talking about pestilence here still. Well, pestilence. Yeah. He dies, right? No, they just cut off no. his finger. So they cut off his finger and he just goes away. Same as the other horseman did. You got to say, mm-hmm. hey, it's too late and I'm out of here. Yeah. You got my power. But yeah, usually when you're sick, it, it, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. If, they, if, they, if you got the independently, virus. <laughs> independently. But maybe if pestilence is doing it supernaturally, then it's different. Then it's supernatural. Well, yes. Then it like. It it did seem like almost immediately after the he gets his finger chopped off and they get the ring like yeah they seem to, they seem to be fine and then of course yeah. the next the next scene they're in everybody's totally healthy so yeah yeah so I think that theory uh, seems to stand true yeah since he was he wasn't exactly infecting them from some kind of strain of whatever and yeah they just magically manifested with it yeah Yeah. he would just sort of create a cocktail of whatever it's like oh now you have some sort of lesion or you know now you have the cold whatever yeah okay since it was magic it was back at bobby's place sam castiel and bobby depart from dean going to stop a virus outbreak well going to stop the uh, distribution of the of the uh, vaccine which is the uh, source of the Croatoan virus. While Dean and Crowley are going to locate death to stop him from destroying the entirety of Chicago. Possibly even more. In the van, Castiel contemplates Sam's plan to ascent to Lucifer and jump in Lucifer's cage while hosting him. Castiel That's, refi- hmm? that's just badly written. Sorry. Uh, Sorry whoever <laughs> wrote that. I don't mean to cast aspersions. Castiel reveals that Lucifer's older brother, Michael, older, older brother. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think Michael's supposed yeah, to be older. Brother. I guess, but that's an interesting thing to bring up. Anyway, Lucifer's brother, Michael, is found and is using another ve- vessel, their brother, Adam, Dean and Sam's half-brother. Castiel also reveals that if Sam assents to Lucifer and fails, the fight between the two archangels will occur and will have destructive collateral effects. Castiel also informs... Well, this is a, Castiel also again. Castiel also informs Sam that in order for him to successfully contain Lucifer, he would need to consume a very large amount of demon blood as it strengthens the vessel. At the distribution center, they notice the demons are loading the vaccine into the market. Okay, I don't really understand this this uh, this uh, term turn of phrase, but they're at a warehouse. Okay, they they enter the warehouse. They they say market several times, so I get confused. But anyways, they enter the warehouse and dispatch many Croatoan infected people in the search. For- I thought this part of the episode was like unnecessary too. Like now that I'm like looking back on it, I didn't need the pestilence part. I didn't need this part. Like all I really needed was that like death you know, getting out of his car scene and then the Dean and death having a conversation scene. Like the rest of the episode is like, well, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause we, you know, we talked about the previous episode we were all kind of like, yeah, it was fine, you know, but nothing special. And I'm wondering if maybe they could have found a way to incorporate the pestilence scene in this episode into that one. Like maybe that's how the episode should have ended with with mm-hmm. them getting the ring from him and everything because yeah, it, 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 fe- it almost feels tacked on here it feels um, separate like it feels yeah. like two separate things that don't make any sense together yeah and it, and it had more to, it had more to do with because i mean that's what the previous episode was supposed to be about which was them tracking down pestilence and they end up not doing that until the beginning of this episode yeah, uh, and, and th- in terms of this scene where they're uh, where they're uh, you know breaking into the warehouse, I think that it's partially there just so that Bobby can talk about it later. Because I was yeah, Bobby Bobby was there looking at Sam saving these people, and I was like, well, why is Bobby just standing there looking? And then I realized later on that it was like, oh, because that's supposed to be where he noticed and thought about this. Yeah, where they also had to. They also had to get rid of the Croatoan virus or else there's no reason why uh, the future <clears throat> that um, Dean saw uh, doesn't happen. 
Yeah, I, I did notice uh, they they definitely didn't have the uh, the budget for any pyrotechnics. They uh, they talked about the C four beforehand, and then they got all those people out of the warehouse, and then the, that that C four part happened off screen. Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I I'm agreeing with John. I think that could have that could have happened last episode. We could have lost some of the other things last episode. Put that in there, and then this episode could have just been all death. Yeah, I think they played. I I I. Uh, if you'll recall from last time, I was not particularly moved by uh, the uh, the old friend of of Sam's Brady. Brady, that whole that whole you know thing about oh it has to be Brady and Brady was you know it, I think I think that was uh, I think that they could have uh, trimmed that up some I guess. Yeah, that was legit, like unnecessary and useless. Well, and it's funny because it. it- it might have had more of an emotional impact if they had actually used the guy that was Sam's friend in the pilot. He was a was a black guy. Yeah, yeah. So, go figure. Hmm. All right. In Chicago, Crowley finally locates Death, and Dean goes in to meet him. Best scene of the episode. Best scene of the past couple episodes. Yeah, this is this is, this is just the bit where he where he where he goes in, and then it goes back to the market. I don't know why they keep saying market. The warehouse. Sam saves more people, releasing them. Sam is brought to the ground and is caught off guard by a zombie. Castiel intervenes, shooting it in the head and killing it. Yep. Don't care about it. And then back to the pizzeria. Dean approaches death with death's scythe, but as he gets closer to the horseman, the handle burns hot and reappears at. Death's side. Death requests that Dean join him at his table, mentioning that he is very old and states that in comparison to him, the universe and Earth are barely out of their diapers. Dean reveals, sorry, Death reveals that he is as old or older than God, but neither of them can recall any longer and claims that in the end, God himself will die and Death will reap him. Yeah, that was really cool. I really liked it. I also like that Death takes no like pleasure in it. He's just like whatever. Yeah, I'll get him. It's it's, like, it's, it's part of the job. It's a done deal. It'll happen eventually. Pizza looked delicious. Yes, I've had some Chicago pizza. Darcy and I both had some Chicago pizza in Chicago, and uh, yeah, and, I've, and, I've, and, I've, I mean, I, can, I've decided. I've decided. I'm I'm ordering pizza tomorrow, and I. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. Um, I need to start taking better care of myself. But it's like, well, you know, damn it, supernatural, you done did it. Like, I'm gonna have to. Work <laughs> it yeah, you can go. You can go to Old Chicago, or you can go to uh, to uh, to Pizzeria Uno and get something close. But seriously, going into a just, and I think we just pretty much picked a place at random. Yeah, we did. It was down the street from our hotel and down the street from the Barnes and Noble. It was really good, though. It was almost as good. Maybe as good as Stefano's in Livingston. Yeah, Stefano's, Stefano's Chicago-style pizza in Livingston, Montana, of all places, was the first place we really had a, a decent, authentic Chicago pie. And all, and it almost beats the one that we did have in Chicago. But like I said, that was kind of a random street corner, a random uh, random find that we went into. Right. And the one in, really? in Livingston, the, the couple that owned it, Decided to move to the second windiest city in America, which was Livingston, Montana. So that's why they were there. Really, the best I can do tomorrow is probably a deep dish from Pizza Hut. Yeah. I mean, right now in Duluth, we have a really lovely pizza place called Pizza Luce. Yeah, which is a Minnesota chain, but it's still... It's it's amazingly yummy. And we did have pizza tonight. (laughs) Actually, I'd I'd have to look into that because there are a couple of... um, uh, pizza places that are that are relatively nearby. I just have to look and see if they deliver and what their prices are because I did I did go on some websites a while back and they like, oh I've never heard of this place and looked up their menu. I was like oh wow this looks pretty pretty legit pretty gourmet you know. Mm-hmm. All right, like, so really- I just googled Chicago style in Dallas and I pulled up like twelve options. Well, I'm in Fort Worth, so <laughs> let me look it up. <laughs> well, I gotta say, we, we, we just we just had pizza tonight, and uh, it was it was top. It was the be- probably one of the better pizzas in Duluth that I've had. <laughs> For sure, uh, but it definitely came with a price. Yeah, we we paid a little. We paid a fair amount of money tonight. for that pizza. It was really good, though. It was and totally worth it. As far as I can tell, from what the kids had with their cheese pizza, 
uh, we should probably, if we're feeding them, stick to uh, cheaper places because I think Iris's comment was, this is almost as good as Domino's or just as good as Domino's. <laughs> oh. Oh. That's depressing. Yeah, that oh. John, have you ever me. had the old Chicago pizza and tap room? Yeah. Oh, no. It's pretty yeah. good. No. That's an option that is, they have four stars. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, that's a, that, it is a, it's a chain, but it's a, they got decent stuff. It's a good chain. Yeah. yeah. We've been there. Yeah. Do they deliver? Um, to you, who knows? It depends know. on how far they are from you. <laughs> yeah. I've actually never had Chicago pizza. I mean, we've got, we've got, you know, New York pizza here. Sure. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty darn good. It's yeah. Good. It's good, but it's a little, a little it's, sloppy. No, it's not a it, sloppy. No, Chicago is sloppy. No, Chicago no. Yeah, it's sloppy. No, the not you gotta fold your New York pizza in half, right? No, no, no. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to fold it in half. You can uh, can eat it any way you want it, as long as it's not with a knife and a fork. Well, I wouldn't do that. Uh-huh. Usually, <laughs> usually the, when when, um, when people is, talk is the about New York style, the skinny one is it like uh, thin. It's yes. thin. Yeah, it's okay. not. It is not like Pizza Hut. It is not a cracker. Yeah. With, uh, well, I was like, I was like, I was watching uh, Iron Fist uh, recently. And there was like a scene where where someone's trying to get another character to try pizza for the first time. And they're like, oh, this is, the, you know, so-and-so's New York pizza from down the street. It's the best pizza ever. And it was all floppy and, I, and it looked terrible. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, it, you know, what can I say? It's it's uh, I've had I have a lot of relatives from the Midwest and, you know, they're. And from Oklahoma, and <laughs> there have been times when I've had you know, say, oh, we have the best pizza in the world. And I just, oh no, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just try and be very quiet. Is well, it's, it's like you know, even though I'm originally from California, I've spent most of my life in Texas, and so whenever I venture out, uh, and I and I go somewhere else for barbecue. Yeah. Like oh, it's, right. it's, it's a sad state of affairs. Just people just oh, oh yeah. it's the best barbecue, and it's like oh, oh yeah. yeah. You naive people, you have no idea. Like, no. don't yeah. don't don't yeah. don't try to don't try to barbecue explain to me, okay? Like, I don't, I don't, John. I feel like we might have to fight because I think Carolina style is better than Texas style barbecue. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. I would. <laughs> it's I, I, I will. That's I will. Fight. I will happily take that challenge. <laughs> and I personally love it all. I, you know, that's one of the things I love about traveling. Is I love I get out to Oklahoma, Texas, you know, and it, between the barbecue and the Mexican food, I'm in pig heaven. And in the Carolinas, I love my Carolina barbecue. <laughs> it's you know, my parents. My great. parents one time when I was like I don't know maybe ten or so, uh, they took me to this uh, this little like barbecue shack place. It was like over by the railroad tracks. And it was literally some of the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. And I, I just have this distinct memory of in one hand, I had this like thick uh, barbecue bologna sandwich. And in the <laughs> other hand, I had this giant fried barbecue turkey leg. Oh, wow. And it was, and, and I ate the whole thing. I ate both of them. And it was just, it was so damn good. And I never got to go back because not long after that, the place burned down. So, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that, you know, New York has so much really incredibly excellent food and all, sure. but they've never had decent barbecue. Yeah. Um, I mean, every now and then you hear about someplace probably like in, you know, uh, really off the beaten track, but I've never been really found good, uh, not great Mexican food in a lot of cases either. It's yeah, it's weird. So, it's like it's like for, yeah. for for such a multicultural melting pot that New York is, yeah. there are just some things that they just they, they just never really incorporated or got right in, you know. It when I was a little kid, there was a a little tiny itty bitty Mexican restaurant. It was like a just a chili place that mm-hmm. my mom found in Times Square and it was about it was one of these little places that you get in New York where it's just 
a, just big enough for a counter and you to be able to scoot by the stools. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. it's really tiny. And it was in Times Square for when I was a little kid. It's called the Chili Bowl hmm. and had one guy running it from somewhere in South America. I'm not sure. I don't think he was met from Mexico. I think he was from, I'm not sure anymore, but really good. And, and we would go there all the time. My mom could find these places, but, uh, he closed up, went, you know, made his money, went home. And, uh, that was like the best Mexican food in New York for a long time. Yeah. That's, that's usually why like, um, a lot, in a lot of cases, your best bet is to is just look look for a food truck that like that ha- that specializes in something. You know? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, should we get back to the episode? <laughs> Death oh, no, yeah. we should just finish talking about food. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we'll never finish, though. <laughs> Unfortunately, the pizza thing it got us off yeah. um, during during the uh, Nubentary. I was like, guys, I'm I'm thinking to myself. Well, you couldn't hear me, but I was thinking to myself, guys, there's this great scene between Crowley and Dean going on. <laughs> I know. Really it nicely was, done. If you put pizza in a scene, though, it's hard not to pay attention to it. You know, it. it's kind of like real. You know, they always tell, you oh. know, uh, directors, don't put um, kids and animals on stage. You know, you don't put pizza. Don't put a real good pizza, <laughs> good pizza on because... Nobody's they hadn't even, attention. They hadn't even put it on screen yet at that point. I know. All I saw was like <laughs> pizzeria, and I was like, saw oh, pizza. Really, pizza. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. pizza, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Squirrel. <laughs> okay, so they Death, were having a chat. Yeah, Death tells Dean that he has become bound to Lucifer following his rising, and he wants to be freed from that binding. He says he'll go as far as loaning Dean his ring so he can trap Lucifer in his cage, even if Sam is hosting him at the time. He needs, in fact, <laughs> Dean's complete promise that he will let Sam do the deal with Lucifer and and jump right in. Dean reluctantly agrees to this, and Death gives him his ring. Death seems to know Dean pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, he knows that it's not going to be an easy, uh, easy agree. Yeah. Back at Bobby's house, Dean tests the rings, forcing them to conjoin. In a conversation, Bobby asks Dean uh, whether he's more afraid of losing the the war. Or I'm sorry if this is anybody's quote because it's kind of the last line of the uh, episode. But this is what it asks. You know, he, he says, "Is Dean more afraid of losing the war or losing his brother?" Mm-hmm. It can be two mm-hmm. things. Can be equally afraid, and uh, that ends the episode. Uh, before we get into who wins this one, Yvette, you you were you were the uh, the tie breaking vote last time on who won the episode. That's correct, and you know who won? Hmm. Nobody, because I picked neither, which <laughs> shook it shook it out as a tie. All so. right, yeah. All right. What about your rating for the episode? Yeah, we had a four. My five, rating six, for seven. last ep- my rating for last episode was a four. Okay. Um, which gave the entire episode a 5.2. Ah. Oh, that's pretty low, but okay. It, I thought last it week was, was pretty bad. bad. It was a bad one. Well, yeah. Oh, I, have, I have to remind myself of which episode was last. Last episode was when they were, they were chasing down Brady, uh, Sam's old college buddy, to, to try that, to get like a, pharmaceutical company. To get the lead on pestilence. So I would have given it a higher mark than that. Yeah. I just felt like they gave us way too much of a character that none of us were going to care about. You know, I like think, I think I was the one who gave it a seven. So, yeah, I probably would have agreed with you on that. But uh, this episode, does somebody win this episode? And I'm going to put my vote forth for Dean. Uh, I think because he's you know he, he he's the one who faced down death and 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 uh, you know made the right decisions in that scene, as far as I can tell. I agree with you. Yeah, agreed, mm-hmm. Dean. I agree. Doris? Sure, Dean. Yeah, I mean, he... Could... Yeah, okay, Dean. <laughs> he, All right, Dean takes it. Yeah, he got the the rings. He survived death, meeting death. Yeah, he had a really good conversation with death. Got yeah. To ha- got to have some pizza. 
Yeah. He got to eat some delicious looking pizza. Can't Speaking forget of that. pizza. He saved Chicago. Hey. <laughs> he yeah. actually Chicago. stalked death with the intention of attacking him. That takes some steel cojones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. He, and he he stopped death and didn't die. He survived yeah. it. Yeah. And all he got and, was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked pretty the whole time. He did. Admittedly, yeah. He did. All right. Well, this is the part where we get to quote things, and Carol gets first dibs as the guest. Oh, okay. Um, hang on one second. I've got lots of quotes. I just... One or two. I only wrote down half of them because I knew they were somewhere else too. Um, hang on a second. Where is it? Um, I want to get this. Ah, darn it. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not going to get this right, but I'm going to just because um, for some reason I didn't write down the whole quote. I thought I had it here too. So. Um, you are not the burnt-out shell of a man I thought you were. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'll go with that one. I've got Sam saying, remember when we used to just hunt Wendigos, how simple things were? Oh. <laughs> Which, I don't know if I want Wendigo episodes again, but I definitely want some, uh, I, I hope that somewhere in the next, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, six to seven seasons, we'll get some episodes that are just plain old, there's a monster, we're hunting it. I want to see some. Oh, you want there. some Monster of the Week. Yeah, I want a few Monster of the Week. Yeah, just I kind of miss that. A little bit. Or, or like a, an actual just Ghost of the Week. Good old salt burning. Sure. <laughs> I dare say that there'll be one-off episodes because we've had we've, we've had some salt and burns in this we've had salt and burns in this season but it's always been you know layered over with uh with a uh, uh, with heavy arc stuff supernatural convention or with a with a body swap or something you know there's extra stuff along with the salt and burn mm. yeah all right uh more quotes if anybody likes <clears throat> sure um hang on i'm still Andy, looking- did you uh I've got several. I'm I'm good. Yeah, I've got yeah. I've got I've got two. I guess <laughs> I'll you? go next. Yeah. <clears throat> so what are we? Hey, <clears throat> what are we even <laughs> looking for? Well, he's pestilence, so he probably looks sick. Everybody looks sick. <laughs> it's a nursing home. That's how that goes. I'll go with uh, Chicago's about to be wiped off the map. Storm of the Millennium sets off a daisy chain of natural disasters. Three million are going to die. Huh. I don't understand your definition of good news. <laughs> <laughs> Is everyone done? Um, <laughs> I was just about to ask complete? if that's the sound of the abacus clacking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's good. Um, I got one more. Go on. You do yours. All right. You're really going to bitch to me? Quit pining for the varsity years and load the damn truck. Um, I'm looking for the end of this line again. Uh, I should have written them all down. Um, Pestilence says something to the effect of, if Satan wants them so bad, he can put them back together again. Uh, but he Close enough. says it better. Yeah, he's. What is it? Does he say sew them back together? He says, back he, says together. he can glue them back, them back together, together himself. Glue them back together himself. Thank you. Thank very you. Very visceral. Yes. <laughs> when he said that, I was like, okay, so we have somebody here who's not listening to that close to Lucifer. <laughs> oh, and another one that I really liked was um, right at the end when um, – Death sense, says, uh, now, would you like the instruction manual? Because <laughs> for once, they're actually getting, like, they know what they're supposed to do and everything. Yeah. Right? Somebody's Death, actually... so helpful. Gives yeah. You pizza, gives you a ring, gives you instructions. Yeah. Right. Do you guys think he brought the people back who were, like, dead inside the diner? Nah. When he left? Mm-mm. I doubt collateral it. damage. Yeah, I think they're already dead. 
Yeah, I think he's probably already claimed them. Yeah, and he might not have a choice. There may be a certain amount of. Uh, he might have a quota. Yeah, and there might be a whole thing with Lucifer and. Right. Maybe Lucifer yeah. can like sense when he kills people, and so he had to kill those people so that it looks like he's doing what he's supposed to in Chicago. Sure, I can see that. <laughs> well, should we move on to our feedback section? We've actually got a fair amount on Facebook. Yeah. Hold on, I can go over there too. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, basically got uh, one from Nutty, uh, another one from Simone, and then a little bit more from Nutty at the end. Uh, does anybody else want to, to contribute here? Do a reading? Um, I, I will. Unless Nutty wants to. <laughs> okay. I'll go first. Um, Nutty says, this isn't a very exciting episode, but it has a lot of stuff that has to happen before the end fight. I love the actors who they cast for both Pestilence and Death. They fit so well. Talking about Bobby's deal and the photo of the kiss was the only humor, really, and it was more breaking tension than anything. It's less gay panic than they have in the past. I think Bobby is disgusted because he's a demon, not because he's a dude. But thanks to this, there is a lot of slash fic of Krabby, and it's really sweet. Is that <laughs> wait, what's that? would be Crowley Bobby. Oh no, they're they're a cute couple. Okay, there is an artist on Tumblr that does nothing but draw Krabby comics, and it's amazing. <laughs> I'm guessing the newbies will be surprised. Death wanted Dean's help. I know I was, but like so much mythology, Death isn't just a horseman. He's older. I love the notion that he'll reap God someday. Like, hey, cool. <laughs> Annie, do you want to do some else? Uh, Oh, oh, um, who's who's going to? I thought Annie said oh, yeah, she wanted Annie to can. do. Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, Simone says uh, two minutes to midnight, or as I like to call it, Dean does deep dish with death and makes a deal. Full. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt Brewer and Julian Richings as pestilence and death, respectively. Awesome bit of casting. A mention of the Croatoan virus. There are reapers everywhere. I love that Bobby has no time for Cass's I feel useless attitude, and I truly adore that Crowley gives Bobby his legs back. Horseman rings, all in capitals. <laughs> <laughs> well, by yeah. the way, happy birthday, That's Simone. It's her birthday a couple days ago. Oh, happy oh, birthday, Happy birthday. Simone. Uh, and, quote, are you afraid of losing or of losing your brother? Obviously, he's afraid of losing Sammy. Silly Bobby. Yeah, I don't think it's much of a question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And finally, Nutty wraps up saying, I still feel really uncomfortable with Bobby's attitude about his legs. Most other people are fine, but his is so bothersome for some reason. I'm curious what someone who is disabled feels about it, because I could just be too sensitive. No, I agree. Hmm. Yeah, I I guess I don't I don't I don't necessarily know what uh, what the reaction would be to it. All right, that is the feedback section. So now we are ready if anybody is ready to go with the ratings. I'll go first, just so nobody steals my rating system. That's a good idea. (laughs) Um, I thought this one was much better than last week, and I loved the parts with death. Um, And if it had just been entire, like, Dean talking to death in a pizzeria for an hour. Yes. Ten out of ten. But unfortunately, we had all those sections of pestilence, the Croatoan virus stuff that just felt shoved in. And even if they needed to, like, get rid of it, it just felt, like, unnecessary in this episode. So I have to drop it a few points. And I'm going to give it a seven and a half out of ten deep dish pizzas. Damn it. <laughs> That's why I had to go first. I know. <laughs> all right. I'm going to go second. Um, I, you know, I, I liked, I liked the episode a fair amount. Uh, I did feel, I do feel like, uh, and this is somewhat a criticism more of the season than the episode itself, that the, the pacing, I, I mean, I understand that they're ramping up for the last episode and that, that, so the pacing is increasing to some extent, but the fact that they had, uh, you know, two horsemen somewhere in the middle of the season and then two in this episode, basically, uh, seemed a little, it felt a little rushed that way. Um, they, uh, they did not set off Chekhov's block of C4. Um, 
but uh, you know, I, I can understand that to some extent. But it really was—I mean, it was, they, they they rescued the people. They made that point for for Bobby, and then uh, and then that was just kind of brushed over. That they uh, oh, by by the way, we blew up a warehouse at some point. I guess. I I mean, if there's an explosion, I don't want to see it. Check off C four, like I said. I know. Anyways, uh, but you know that, that's that's all aside. I, I really like uh, I really like Death, and I hope we see a lot more of him at some point. Uh, obviously, uh, I assume that you're not going to actually kill Death and uh, have him go away forever. So, uh, and it sounds like people like him an awful lot. For I mean, he's 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 a one great in this episode. I, I, from what it sounds like, people are saying about him, he's, he sounds like he's probably going to come back around some. But that's uh, beside the point. He I guess I still have his scythe. I am going to give it a, a uh, eight out of ten uh, gouts of green sputum. No. <laughs> yeah, I. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I, I'm still thinking. Oh, I, I freaking love this episode. Um, I mean, even with the, you know, like the Croatoan stuff, you know, um, like everything that works, works so well. You know, I mean, the, the, the little dinner with Andre, you know, dinner with death thing uh, was just fantastic. It pushes my buttons. It, it ticks those boxes for me that I love. Um, I, I like... Uh, seeing Castiel with a shotgun. Uh, that's, that's fun. Um, <laughs> you know, always happy when Crowley shows up. Uh, and I, I like Matt Frewer, so I was happy to see Pestilence again, even though it, it did feel kind of tacked on and it, and it made more sense to put it in the previous episode, but I digress. But yeah, like I just, this, we're, we're really, uh, <laughs> barreling towards the end here. So, uh, so yeah, this episode was a ton of fun. I really dug it. So I'm going to give this one nine out of 10 pimp and caddies. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'll, uh, interject one more time. I know I already fin- finished my rating, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting that I, that the, the episode for as short as it is, the conversation with death really is what, what brings pumps up the numbers. Yeah, it's for a short, sure. It's a short section of the episode, but it really it, it's what stands out and what what brings the episode up a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I Absolutely. And, and I did like uh, I did like uh, as Nutty said in her feedback the the uh, the scene about the uh, the scene about the the deal with Crowley and the and the kiss and, and all of the humor of that and that it wasn't uh, you kissed a dude really that they were they were, they didn't play it that way and well, I, yeah. I did right that. game and thing. You know, it is what it is. All right. Well, it's what demons do, right? Are you ready to rate? Uh sure. Um, I, I did enjoy it. I don't have a lot of detail to add to that. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Um, oh, crap. What was I going to say? I lost it. You lost it? I did. Okay. I thought of one and I lost it. Oh, oh. Uh, hot sides. Hot sides. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a sexual maneuver. I was a bit yes. <laughs> I know. I was thinking myself. You have a side. I was thinking, do I say it or no? <laughs> yeah. I think I was I, thinking I, something what, too. What we're all thinking. Uh, yep. Carol, would you like to go next, or do you want to go last? Um, I can go next. Um, my rating system was kind of close to somebody else's that already went, but um, the whole episode really does boil down to death <laughs> you know, it's like um i just really enjoy his scene so much and and the fact that they you know they did let us they surprised us a bit on it you know it was uh it wasn't necessarily what you'd be expecting after seeing all the other horsemen yeah, and it was, yeah, it was a meeting not a confrontation <laughs> exactly and it and the fact that after all the drama of getting the other rings and everything for, and all the, the venom from pestilence, so to speak. Mm. Um, and I think that might be one reason why pestilence was here. It just occurred to me that that might be one reason he was in this episode. As a contrast was, to death. Yeah. Oh, good point. Because I mean, I don't think, I don't think the calmness and the fact that death just handed him the ring 
would have been nearly as powerful if we didn't see how how angry pestilence was at humanity and and it to be a big thing again because the last time we saw them get a ring was a long time ago as you pointed out earlier i mean it was like at the beginning of the season they got the uh the other two rings Right. And both of those other horsemen were also sort of showy and flashy and war and right. famine are also things that cause a lot of contention and strife and struggle. Right. And then, you know, death is just the it's end. Death, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Death, yeah. Is just, death is just. So an that absolute. one went really um, quickly. Right. You know, what's great. What was the most fascinating. That is it, it, it serves a couple of uh, functions in the narrative in that one it gives us a um, almost like a false sense of security. It's like, oh, well, we see the scene with, with pestilence, and so now we're good. Um, you know, we, we figure it's, you think like as you're watching it, like, oh, then that's we had that scene with that horseman, so we're not going to get another horseman in the same episode. But then we do. But then also, it serves as a as like you said a contrast because just like with the other horsemen. It was it was, you know, violent and confrontational. And then here comes death to just subvert all of that, because not mm-hmm. only is he is he calm and and uh, and and, you know, friendly. He actually he just he just gives Dean the ring. He's like, oh, no, I actually I want to help you like here. Take it. You know, <laughs> right. Instead of instead of him being angry with humanity. Right. He's angry with Lucifer. Yeah. And. So there's, so I think, and as I say, I just thought of, in terms of it, um, I think it's probably why Pestilence was in this episode and not in the last one. I think you're right. So, so in a weird, in a weird way, he does actually, uh, end up fitting quite nicely in this episode. Once, once you, you look at it from the context of, of the entire episode and, and what that, what his scene and how different it is. For the scene with death, like what that what that does, so like really, it helps elevate the scene with death even further. Yeah, it really does. And um, and as I say, I'm not a big pestilence fan, but uh, but it really does. Hey, anything to help death. Um, <laughs> right. This, these phrases don't come out sounding right at all when you say them. <laughs> I'm not a um, big fan of pestilence. Yeah, but I love death. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so it really, as I say, it my rating is pretty much totally based on on death. And uh, there were some really nice scenes. I have to admit, I really liked the scene between um, Dean and Crowley, um, where they're where Crowley keeps popping in and out. Um, <laughs> we sometimes forget that you know they can do these things, and uh, and it made perfect sense for Crowley to just. You know, be popping here and popping there, and and Dean trying to catch up. Um, so I'm going to give it, uh, but I'm not crazy about pestilence, so I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. Horseman's pale, fifty six caddies. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, it was a pale steed. Yep. Yep. That's cool. Nope. I didn't. I didn't uh, get that till this beautiful year. steed. Oh God! So like, yeah. the hell out of that car. <laughs> All right, Annie. Um, I am. I'm always surprised by how this episode feels really long when I watch it. Like, I, I guess the whole first part of it with you know pestilence. It just it seems like when that's over, the episode should be over. But it's 20 minutes in, and there's so much and so much better after that. Yeah. Well, it it really does. It it's it gives that that hard three act structure mm-hmm. and it, and they feel like their own mini episodes, little vignettes. You know, you have, you have the whole thing at the nursing home with, uh, with pestilence. Then you have the, the Croatoan stuff at the warehouse and then you have the stuff with death. So, and then the little denouement at the end with, uh, you know, wrapping mm-hmm. and just discussions about, are we actually going to let Sam do this? And mm-hmm. no, I, I totally lied. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, it's a very classic structure, and it works really well. It made it; it just makes it feel long. 
um, which is weird because, you know, the, the pacing as far as the rest of the season, um, there have been a couple of episodes, not many, but a few in the last several that have been filler. And uh, all of a sudden you get to this episode and it's it's just clearly a very hard grind toward the end. Yeah, it's, it's um, very it's very meaty because it has to be given its yeah. uh, placement. And they are they are sort of wrapping up some loose ends with the whole Croatoan virus thing, uh, preparing to just leave that behind. And um, but you know, death death is awesome, and one of my favorite ever character introductions. I just love that mm-hmm. sequence with that song and him mm-hmm. walking in slow motion down the street, and the mm-hmm. guy like having a heart attack or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. whole like. I don't know. I, I just really enjoy this episode and it feels like uh, part one of a two-parter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. So it gets a little bit of a, it gets a higher rating maybe than it would because I know what's coming next. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so I give, I'm going to give it a nine and a half out of 10. Yeah. Barfy, creepy uncle hugs. You really, really don't want. <laughs> All right, so that gives this episode an 8.33, which is pretty high. That's pretty good. Cool. Hey, Carol, thanks so much for joining us. No, thank you very yeah. much for having thanks, me. Carol. Always appreciate your yeah. input. Uh, do you have any places that you can point to for some of your other stuff? Uh, just Tuplecast, um, and we're on Facebook and other places, I believe. Um and McKinley cast is um, still not finished, so I'm going to say it anyway. McKinley cast a Freaks and Geeks intro cast, which I am determined will rise again and finish out its its little tiny little uh, uh, series. So we'll see. I look forward to it. <laughs> I do look forward okay. to it. Okay. Hey, John. Uh, I don't give oh, up easily. Yeah. No, that's okay. I just don't give up easily. So Yes, yes. Hey, John, what is our homework for next week? Homework for next week is a big one. It is Season 5, Episode 22, Swan Song, which is or was meant to be a bit of a series finale. Uh, this, oh, this, you guys, I'm going to miss the... you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I said was, not is. <laughs> Uh, this this will be the last episode involving Eric Kripke. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we will be doing a Nubentary, so don't anybody in this room go off and or in this uh, chat go off and watch that. Besides the right. expert, correct. But we want your feedback. But definitely feedback. All of the people who are going to be listening to this months after we record. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we got a bunch of your feedback, uh, and uh, <laughs> and hopefully you've all noticed uh, the the sign up for next season, which we should be uh, getting out pretty soon, uh, sooner than you'll hear this. <laughs> cool. Oh, that's right. This works. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I should try and get in there right at the beginning this time. I never do. I always end up just getting the the dregs. Well, for except for- this episode, as I say, death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for, for your benefit, if not for anybody else, uh, we will be, of course, uh, trying to give a heads up as to what time and date that will drop that actual sign-up sheet, and uh, hopefully, uh, something that fits for you. Oh, I'm sure. I'm just kidding. All right. All right. Hey. Uh, so that's going to be it. We're going to wrap up. It's getting pretty late. So uh, thank you again, and uh, happy hunting. Happy hunting. Happy hunting. Bye, y'all. Bye. You've been listening to Idgitcast from QuadrupleZ.com. Join the discussion at Facebook.com slash We love feedback. You can email us or send us an MP3 voice message. Please use the episode title as your subject line to prevent accidental spoilers. Our email address is IdgitCastPodcast at gmail.com. The theme song for Idgitcast is by Borrowed Trouble. Find the band at BorrowedTrouble.com. Lyrics and vocals by Idgitcast's founder, Ali Jones who you can find out all about at imthewonderband.com. The closing music you hear right now is Too Good, written and performed by Jack Mangan and is used by permission. 
You can find other music, writings, and discussions by Jack, as well as back episodes of his own deadpan podcast at jackmangan.com. You can hear more from the hosts of this show. Yvette can be heard as one of the hosts of Investigating Mars, an intro cast for the TV series Veronica Mars, also available from quadruplez.com. John Pavlich can be heard on CastleCast, a fan cast for the ABC series Castle at castlecast.net, and his own Sofa Dogs podcast at sofadogs.libsyn.com. Now you can also watch the Sofa Dogs YouTube channel at youtube.com slash user slash sofadogs. Annie is currently acting as global coordinator for Can't Stop the Serenity, a worldwide series of charity screenings of Joss Whedon's Serenity, benefiting Equality Now. For more information on Can't Stop the Serenity, including event listings and how to host an event, visit www.cantstoptheserenity.com. Darcy and I can also be heard on the Ghostlight Podcast, an intercast for the television series Slings and Arrows, also featured on quadruplez.com. Z.com.